Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. Galatians, the first chapter, reads as follows. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to whom to the churches in Galatia, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. As Paul tells us that he came by the request and commandment of God himself his motive was not necessarily to please men but to primarily fulfill the will of the father through Jesus Christ whom God raised from the dead then from this introductory portion of the letter he transitions to verse 6 where he highlights the nature of God's good news, the nature of the gospel, the nature of the Evangelion. Paul writes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are now turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. These are some powerful verses. And Paul basically delineates the genuine gospel from the inauthentic gospel which has been perverted or twisted. And when we look at the context of this passage or the background, we realize that there are those, whether inside or outside the church, that have teachings which are blatantly inconsistent with the teachings of the Bible. 
And so for today's episode, we wanted to continue our dialogue, or rather monologue, on the divinity of Jesus Christ. The divinity of Jesus Christ. And on our last episode, I spoke of some of the historical context of this doctrine. And we should be clear that uh, the doctrines that are biblical were not authored by men. God is the author. So if we have a doctrine or teaching that is biblically rooted and the church currently embrace that doctrine, we need to be careful not to assume that it was written by men when it was actually authored by God. And some of these teachings are not easy to understand. Some portions of the, uh, of the scriptures, some portions of the Old Testament, some portions of the New Testament take some study. Some portions of the Bible take some meditation. Some portions of the Bible takes the moving of the Holy Spirit to enlighten and remove the scales from our eyes. So when it comes to the divinity of Christ, it is futile. Uh, it is difficult to swallow it or to receive it if we are trying to look at it from a human lens. Jesus was fully God, and yet Jesus was fully man. He was 100%. He was fully God, and he was fully man. And when he took on the form of man, when he poured himself, as some said, the kenosis effect, and put on the humanity, he didn't let go of any divinity. And so as we look at church history, as we look at church doctrine, as we look at the Bible, we see that the scriptures are clear about the ontology of Jesus Christ. And by that word ontology, we're talking about the nature of Jesus. We mentioned that Jesus is called God. In John 1, 1 through 14, uh, we see that he is called God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. In John 20, 26 through 28, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And the context is a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Then Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Thomas didn't see 
any issue with recognizing Jesus for who he truly is. He's not a lesser God than a father. He's not a greater God than a father. He is equal to the father. He is made of the same stuff or the same substance as the father. Jesus is God in his essential nature. So Thomas may have doubted in the beginning, but he concluded with affirming the reality, the fact that Jesus is indeed divine. Jesus is God the Son, not to be confused with God the Father. Jesus is God the Son. And as I said on the last episode, these are distinct personhoods within the Godhead. We as Christians do not teach pluralism or tritheism. We are not saying that there are three separate gods we're saying there's one God who's revealed himself in three distinct persons. This is why many of us sing uh, that song within our church is holy, 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 uh, God almighty. God in three persons, holy trinity. Jesus is recognized by Thomas as God. Then when we look at Philippians chapter two, verses one through six, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Here's what I want to highlight. In verse 5, Paul writes, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in very nature, God did not consider himself equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Paul is giving us an insight into Christ's true nature. Yes, he came humbly. Yes, he came and put on a human form, but we must not forget that essentially he was God. Essentially, Jesus is God. Then Jesus identifies himself as God. Jesus identifies himself as God. John 8:58, where he uses the divine title of I am for himself. And scripture is clear that the Jews took up stones to kill him. Because they knew what Jesus was saying, that he was indeed God in essentially uh, his nature. And they saw that as blasphemous or they interpreted that as uh, being an individual who was breaking their interpretation of the Mosaic law. 
So they knew fully well what Jesus was saying. When Jesus says before Abraham was born, I am, the Jews knew that Jesus was basically articulating or sharing with them that he was indeed God. So Jesus, who could not lie, told the truth, but they couldn't handle it. So as I am, that is a connection to Exodus chapter 3, where Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? And God informs Moses, you go to Egypt and tell them that I am sent you. So when Jesus takes that divine title for himself, he's basically telling the truth about the Genesis episode. Then Jesus himself confirms his divinity. Jesus comforts his disciples. John 14, 1 through 11. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My father's house many, has many rooms, or some translations say many mansions. If that were not so, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So Jesus is sharing with his disciples insights concerning his relationship to the father, number one. Number two, it's a revelation about who he truly is. He's basically sharing with the disciples that if you have seen me, you've seen the father because we are essentially one. We are one accord. I am a direct reflection in every possible way of the father. So when you see the works that I perform, it's the father also working the miracles out. When I preach the kingdom of God agenda, it's essentially the father also preaching the kingdom agenda. So he's not saying he is the father. He's saying that he and the father are one, that he carries the will of the father. There's nothing that the father wanted done that the son did not accomplish. 
Likewise, we should have the same attitude. If we are a reflection, a finite reflection of who Jesus is, then that should be our mantra. That should be our theme. That should be our desire to live each day to carry out the will of Jesus Christ. If we are to call ourselves Christians, we should wake up each day seeking his face, reading his word, then allowing his word to germinate within our heart that we may have the power to go forth and work through our family to display humility, to forgive like Jesus, to pray like Jesus, to love like Jesus, and to glorify our Father as Jesus was accustomed to doing. So the divinity of Christ reminds us that the Jesus we serve, he's more than a baby that was born in Bethlehem. He's more than an individual who just performed miracles. He's more than a prophet. He's more than a sage. He's more than a a historical figure. The Jesus we serve, he is the only God-man that ever traversed this earth. And when we look at uh, his divinity, we find evidence of Christ's uh, unique ontology both in the Old and New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, only the blood of specific animals without blemish could be offered to God for the remission of sins. When we read Deuteronomy 17 and 1 as an example, it says, Do not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep that has any defect or flaw in it, for that would be detestable to him. And, and him is referring to God. Hebrews 10 links this uh, concept or this doctrine up for us. Hebrews 10 verses 14 through 24 reads, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds so this passage of hebrew reminds us that instead of uh, sacrificing 
animals instead of the priest going into the holy of holies like in the old testament to speak to god on our behalf and to ask for forgiveness on our behalf jesus came to sever all that jesus came that we may have direct access to god himself jesus is our perfect sacrifice we no longer need to sacrifice bullocks and oxen. Now we have Jesus who serves symbolically as the sacrifice for the remission of our sins. So thanks to Jesus, we are now back in good standings with Jesus Christ, uh, uh, with God the Father, once we accept his son, Jesus Christ, the divinity of Christ. Only a divine being is worthy of the sacrifice that's demanded by the Father. Only a sacrifice that's perfect. Only a sacrifice that's unblemished. Only a sacrifice that's worthy would be accepted by the Father. And no longer were the animal sacrifices sufficient. So God's plan was to send his son Jesus Christ that we may hear the gospel and respond accordingly. So I'm so thankful that I serve a Christ, the, uh, uh, the anointed one, the Messiah that had been uh, waited upon for so many years. I'm so thankful that he came and died on the cross. And then on the third day, he rose up. He rose up that we may also rise up with him in the last days. For I appreciate what the Apostle Paul writes. Paul writes that I may know him. He desired to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. Only God could raise himself up and put death to shame. I pray that you receive something Uh, to edify you on this episode regardless of what you're going through you can always turn to jesus the christ for essentially he is god not a lesser god he is equal to god the father so when we pray to jesus when we seek his face you are essentially also seeking the face of god so we ask that you Learn these doctrines, share with other people that your faith may be strengthened and God glorified in the process. As always, we ask for your prayers for sound reasoning and ace apologetics. We also ask that if this ministry has been a blessing to you, that you consider becoming a financial sponsor. Again, please go out and do for the truth what so many do for a lie. May the Lord be with you, your household, and your church family. We love you all. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. 
Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.